Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. We all have a tendency to wander away from God's ways. While that's a hard realization to come to, God will often tell us through an unbelieving person. That is a challenging and painful place to be put in. Yet God does that out of a heart of love as He tries to get us back on track with Him. This happened to Abraham in Genesis chapter 20. He was God's spokesman, yet in a time of fear, he didn't trust God and lied. Then God used an ungodly man to confront him and to teach all of us a very important lesson. Let's join Pastor Jim as he concludes his message, When Our Faith Goes Backwards. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, Now check this out. This is... If this has happened to you, this has happened to me, this is about as embarrassing as it gets. When someone who is a complete pagan rebukes you for the way you're living and tells you how self-centered you are, that you only care about yourself, that you don't care about people, that you don't love people, that your faith is phony. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? Have I offended you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Ouch! Ouch! Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view? Some of your versions say, What was your reason? Some of your versions say, What did you intend? We would just say, What the heck were you thinking? Then Abimelech said to Abraham, what have you in view that you have done this thing? So now let's watch Abraham try to explain himself. Now, what should you do when this happens? Admit it, say you're sorry, ask God for forgiveness, and move on. Try to fix it right with the person. But watch what he does. Remember, his theology hasn't changed. He still believes in God but he's trying to what? Squirm his way out of it. And Abraham said, because I thought, there it is right there. Because I thought. An uninformed biblical thinking. Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place. And they will kill me on account of my wife. So, so what is he saying? First off, he says, well, I, I, know, I thought the fear of God wasn't in this place. You know what some people would take that is? I think I'm better than you. You know, a lot of times when people talk to people who are not followers of Jesus, if you're not careful, we can come across instead of people who are in the line with the sinners... Even Jesus got in the line with the people being baptized by John the Baptist. Not us. You get in the line, Jesus, not me. I'm a Christian. Okay? So so he doesn't even want to get in the line with the sinners. So a lot of times people will, if we're not open and honest, they'll actually think, we think that we're better than them. If you do, something's really wrong. 
So Abraham says to them, um, you see, here's the deal. This is like take foot in certain mouth. I was afraid of you because you're not afraid of God. What's he doing? He's blaming them for his lack of faith. I, was, I lost my faith because you don't have any. That's what we call in counseling blame shifting. Why do you do that? Her. Go, do marriage counseling. Man and wife, husband and wife sit there. I usually start with people. I go, oh, I'll give you five minutes to air your grievances. Husband, I'll usually start with the wife. What's wrong with your marriage? Him. Okay, husband, what's wrong with your marriage? Her. <laughs> well, we're done. <laughs> we're do- no, it's communication, Pastor Jim. Okay, well, how do you feel about him? I hate him. That's good communication. It's really good. It's really good. He's blame shifting. He's blaming the whole thing on, on, on them. But indeed, she truly is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. Now, that's not always entirely clear from the Bible, but let's just say, okay. And you're like, this is disgusting. This was before God told Moses there would be no more of this. Now, you say, how, how could this be? And just, you can check this out on your own time. Uh, what happened over time was when sin came into the world, it sort of put the world in this cataclysmic thing. And the gene pool, sin brought sickness and death, the gene pool became corrupted over time. And it reached a point in time where they couldn't do that anymore. When there's only a few people on the earth, there was nowhere else, to, there was difficult to find someone. Verse 13, and it came to pass when God. Now, let me just stop here for one second. The translators are being very, very kind to Abraham here. Very, very kind, but in a way too kind. When he says, our translation says, and it came to pass when God, literally Abraham said, when the gods caused me to wander. Little g, punk gods, plural. Can I quote that great, great theologian, Charlie Brown? Ugh! (laughs) He is talking to a pagan like he is a pagan. He's like, well, you know all the gods you all worship. Well, your gods caused me to wander. Is that a good good testimony, a good witness to, to who God is? So he says, when they caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her... This is your kindness that you should do for me in every place where we go. Say of me, he is my brother. So, so, so what is this strategy that they've had for 25 or 30 years now? You think they would have dumped it. We only see it happening twice. Who knows how many times it's happened? And, and, and it probably goes something like this. You know, honey, if you really love me, if you really love me, you will tell everybody that you're my sister, not my wife. Because if they want you as their wife, they'll, they'll kill me. That's, that was their strategy for all their traveling. Forget the fact that she would be taken into the harem. 
I mean, this is, this is amazing. The whole thing to me, his answers here in verse 11 through 13 is amazing. The unbelievers are terrified and Abraham is making excuses. Abraham is self-justifying. Abraham is blame-shifting. And so God takes Abimelech and uses him to rebuke Abraham, the father of many nations, the great man of faith. Abraham says, I don't think the fear of God is in this place. It is. It's just not in Abraham. (laughs) It's in the other people. See, Abraham needs to do what we need to do in a time like we're this. We need to remind ourselves of the promises of God and lovingly share those promises with others. Friends, this may seem odd to you. This may seem very odd to you. But I think that right now it is entirely possible that we may come to find out in the future or now if we want to grab it, when we have to grab it one person at a time, that we may be living in an absolutely unprecedented time to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But not if we're complaining. But not if we're whining and griping about everything. Ooh, I want to be a whiner and a griper just like you. Yes, give me more of that Jesus, bro. No. We are the people who should be most of all filled with hope. We are the people who serves the God who raises the dead. We are the people who have the answers for so much of what what is ailing people right now. Fear, loneliness, not knowing what's next. We may not have the answers for those things, but we have the promises of God on all of those things. But that's going to require that in those moments, we don't forget our theology in our life. We have to mix them together. It's very important. It's very important. It's also going to require a lot of integrity that we become more like Jesus. What do you mean by that? And like, why are you getting all hyped up about this? I'm so passionate about this. I think we are on the cusp of the ability to see people coming to Christ in droves or people rejecting him and, and, and putting nails in the coffin of their, of their faith. We're going to have to stop, stop treating people who are different than us as the enemy. And if you need some inspiration for that, just keep reading the gospels over and over and over again. And watch Jesus. We're going to have to become more relational. The apologetic, if you know what that is, the defense of the faith facts that worked in the 1990s and the little early 2000s, people are not interested in that. They're not interested in that. We still have to know that stuff. It helps us. In the past, you used to say to people, you know, if you were to die tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven? They'd come up with an answer. Yes, I'm a good person. Then we explain to them why that, that doesn't work. Now they go, I don't care. 
I don't believe in God. Really, tell me what you believe. And then listen to what they tell you. And most people, what they'll tell you, they're just looking for hope. They're just looking for something to grab onto. And listen. And listen. Don't be so eager to jump down their throat about what they're wrong about. Listen. And listen. And inside, keep saying this thing. They need hope. They need security. They need love. They need confidence. And then when, you're, when they're done, you say, can I just tell you where Christianity offers some of the things I think that you're looking for? And then explain to them. You say, I have to know my Bible well. We're going to have to know our Bibles better now than we ever had to. Why the church is taking the Bible out? You got me. I, I, most sermons are a bunch of self-help sermons these days. It's going to require we stop and always insisting on our rights. Jesus didn't. That we always stop our mode of self-protection. Jesus didn't. What did Jesus tell us to do? Jesus said, hey, somebody asked you to walk a mile with them. You walk too. That's what he said. That's what he said. Somebody wants to tell you their bizarre beliefs. You, 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 t- you listen to them and you go, tell me more. You don't, you don't throttle them with, you know, your book that you read. But Abraham's doing the opposite. Why? Because what he wants is more important than what God wants. What he wants is more important than the mission of God. Loved ones, this was Abraham's chance. And this is yours and mine to tell people about God's faithfulness in our lives, in the past, in the present, and what we know will be in the future. You say, but I feel like nothing is happening. I feel like life is stuck. Great. Talk to people about that. But here's the question you got to answer first. This period of maybe feeling like life is stuck for you or life is going nowhere, is this going to quench your faith? Is this going to quench your love for Jesus? Or is this an opportunity for your love for Jesus to grow? Will this time lead you to doubt God's goodness? Will you forget him? Will you take matters into your own hands? Are you going to fail? Or are you going to remember the promises of God? If you don't know any of the promises of God, let me give you one of my favorites. Romans 8.32 He, God, who did not spare his own son, Jesus, who delivered him up for us all, there's your cross, how shall he not with him freely, other verses say graciously, give us all things? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? Don't be so quick to answer. I don't want you to answer with your head. I don't want you to answer with your mouth. I want you to answer it with this. Do you believe it here? Do you believe that he's going to give you all things? I talked to somebody recently about my neurological illness. And out of the blue popped out of my mouth. They said it must be very discouraging. It was a non-Christian. Out of the blue popped out of my mouth. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. 
Do we believe it? Do you believe it even when you fail? You think you fail, you think God's done with you. God says to Abimelech, go talk to the lying prophet. (laughs) Verse 14, then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham, and he restored or returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, see, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. You can live wherever you want. Have you run of the land? Verse 16, then to Sarah, he said, behold, I have given you I have given your brother, perhaps a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of a dig there, right? Not your husband, your brother. I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you or is a sign of your innocence, a sign of your honor. You've been cleared from blame. Verse 17, so Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech. We've got to talk about that in a second. His wife and his female servants Then they bore children, or then they could bear children, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So Abimelech here shows himself to be a man of honor and humility as he blesses the failing father, Abraham. You could say, again, that he paid the price for all the sins and father Abraham accepted the payment And of course, that is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus paid for all of our sins. And the Father, by virtue of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, shows us that God was satisfied with the payment. Now, in this sense, we see the pagan king acting more like Jesus than Abraham did. But Abraham still prayed for him. So apparently during this time, God had Abimelech sick and he was unable to engage in sexual relations and the women of the area, they could not conceive. Oddly enough, Abraham prays that they can have children again and they can. The same very prayer that for years and years and years, decades and decades and decades, Abraham and Sarah had prayed that God would not answer for them. Let me ask you a question. Do you have something so pressing in your life, a prayer that God hasn't answered, and are you happy for other people when God answers it for them? I know it's not easy, but just say, God, thank you for, for blessing them. Well, like Mary and Joseph, had, they had no relations until after Jesus was born because Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. There'll be no doubt that Abraham will be Isaac's father. So whenever you feel like a complete failure in the Christian life, remember how gracious God is. Because here we're in the Old Testament. Fast forward 2,000 years and even, you know, the life of Jesus, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, they're, they're writing, the apostles are writing about Jesus after he has ascended into heaven. And Abraham is in the New Testament a lot. But there's no mention of this. There's no mention of his failure. Why? Because he was forgiven. And in God's mind, when it's forgiven... It's forgotten. That's what he says. I take your sins and I cast them behind my back. It's not not to remember them no more. It's not like God has a, a bad memory. He chooses not to bring them up again. 
And maybe for you, like Abraham and Sarah, God's promises to you are slow. Maybe you feel like you've failed God. Maybe you look back at this last year and you're like, man, I have really just, I've just, I've just failed God. But understand this. The cross, at the time it was happening, looked like a massive failure. But God was doing a new thing. God was doing a new work. And loved ones, in your failures, remember that God is doing a new thing. That God is doing a new work. Please, I beg of you all today, don't give up on Jesus. If for no other reason, because he will never give up on you. He didn't give up on Abraham. He didn't give up on so many of the great failures of the Bible. The Bible, one of the reasons you know it's true is the main characters often look so pathetically bad. (laughs) And he loved you so much, he died on the cross in your place for your sins, even your failures of faith. Even when the test came and you, you just completely blew it. In fact, God even uses our failures, both public and private, to get us to turn to him and to be a blessing to the world. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus predicted Peter's denial. Of course, Peter, come on, Jesus, it's me, Peter, come on. And Jesus says this, Luke 22, uh, 31 and 32, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, that's Peter's other name, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. You say, but it did fail. He did deny Jesus. And when you have returned... Some versions say, when you have turned back. The idea is when you have repented, when he sifted you, when you thought you were all it, you didn't lose your theology and you failed, you thought you were all it. I've prayed that when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. What is he saying? Saying, Peter, you're going to fail and you're going to fail big time. But when you do, you come back to me and you watch what I do with that failure. I'm going to use you to light up your little corner of the world because you're no longer going to be the proud, arrogant, telling God what to do man. He still has his issues. It's okay. But I'm going to use your life mightily. Today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, ask God to forgive your sins. Say, God, today I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to turn to you. Please forgive my sins. And with your help, as I put my trust in Jesus, and you adopt me as your child, with your help, will you help me to stay away from those sins? Will you change me? Will you transform me? But more than anything, Lord, as I trust in Jesus, will you adopt me into your family? And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a child of God. You've already put your trust in Jesus, but you know you failed. And we all have. 
ask him for the forgiveness of sins and ask the Lord like he did for Peter to change him and to strengthen him. It's a lot of ways it's, it's like what my neighbor said. The best riders have fallen the most. In so many ways, the best people in the kingdom of God have fallen the most, but they've been restored. And so when it happens to you, when your faith goes backwards, get back up. Come back to Jesus. Because the best Christians have fallen the most. That's why the Apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners. And God has that for you. God has that for me. And I think as we do, we're going to see God do amazing things. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.